Well, good morning, church. It's good to be here to bring God's word. And we're going to look at Jonah chapter 1 this morning. So if you have your Bibles, uh, turn there. And uh, it's a privilege to be here and to be part of the missions weekend. And this is an appropriate passage about God sending his people to unreached peoples. So let me pray and then we'll, we'll look at this passage. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this day. Thank you uh, for the worship that we are called to each and every day, each and every moment to give you praise and glory, uh, to lift you up like Mary did. And Father, would you send your spirit to be with us as we consider uh, this passage, as we consider who you are and what you're calling us to uh, as your ambassadors with the message of hope and the gospel. Lord, we come to you with many, uh, in many places. Lord, some of us are tired, some of us are fearful, some of us are um, depressed, some of us are feeling guilty. Lord, but we come to you because you've called us and you've given us the Lord Jesus and you've given us your spirit. So be with us now. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Hear the word of the Lord. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went on board to go with them to Tarshish away from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea so that the ship threatened to break up. And then the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his God, and they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. So the captain came and said to him, what do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish And they said to one another, come, let us cast lots that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. And then they said to him, tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation? And where do you come from? And what is your country? And of what people are you? And he said to them, I'm a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. And then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, what is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Then they said to him, what shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more tempestuous. And he said to them, pick me up. And hurl me into the sea, and then the sea will quiet down for you, for I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. 
Nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to dry land, but they could not, for the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them, and therefore they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay, lay not on us innocent blood, for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah, hurled him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. And then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. This ends a reading of God's holy word. I don't know if you've ever gone in the wrong direction, but I was thinking about a story when I was about 13 years old. Our church youth group up in Randallstown, Maryland, decided to go to the CNO Canal right down here and take a bike hike on the CNO Canal. And me and this guy, Daryl, we were the last ones helping to get the bikes out of the trailer. So we're getting all the bikes out of the trailer. The kids are hightailing it from the parking lot down to the CNO Canal. And me and Daryl, we finally got our bikes and we started going down there. And we turned right. And we kept pedaling, thinking, we're going to catch these people at some point. And we kept pedaling and pedaling and pedaling. The beautiful Potomac River is going by us, canal on this side. For about two hours, <laughs> about two hours we went that way. But the rest of the youth group, they went that way. They went towards D.C. and we had missed the instructions. The youth leaders sent for the, uh, the forest rangers, and I think they called the police and everything else. Finally, we got it through our minds that, you know what, I'm pretty sure we would have caught them by now. Let's turn around and go the other way. So we went back the other way, and sure enough, our youth leaders were worried sick, and, uh, but we found them, and uh, we had a good day. But that was one of those times where... Uh, we were going in the wrong direction. Now, we were going in the wrong direction because we didn't know any better. They all hightailed and we didn't see him. But here we have this passage with Jonah, and Jonah is getting the word of the Lord, and God is telling him specifically, I want you to go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach against it. He knew exactly what the Lord was telling him to do. I want you to go and be an evangelist, an ambassador for me, and he decides in his own will to say, there's no way, Lord, I'm going to those people. And he goes the opposite direction. All of us are like Jonah. All of us, we know the Lord is calling us to take the message out. And we have lots and lots of Jonah in us. Lots of hardness that would say, maybe somebody else will do it. Maybe if I just pray enough. Maybe, maybe something will happen. Maybe there'll be a TV evangelist. Something, some, someone other than me take that verbal message, that communication of the gospel. We're fearful. We've got maybe issues with people, our neighbors, Aren't our neighbors and our family sometimes are the hardest people to say, I want to share this good news with you. 
And so we all can be challenged by this passage, especially me. And we're all called to take this message out. But man, we have lots of fear, don't we? Lots of issues. And so today, simply, we're going to kind of look at this in three areas. The tragedy of not following God's call. The strategy of God's call, because God always gets his people. And the gravity of God's call. This gravity of his gospel of grace and judgment. And so we're going to break this down. And so this is a tragedy first. The tragedy of Jonah the prophet who knew the word of the Lord and decided not to follow it. And it says here in verse 1, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. Jonah was a prophet of the Lord. Who is this guy? You know, this book of Jonah just kind of pops out of nowhere, right? Well, it's interesting. He's mentioned one other place in 2 Kings, and he was a prophet during the time of Jeroboam II. And this was a time where Israel's boundaries were expanding. There was prosperity. There was peace. And Jonah was the prophet at that time. And uh, the tragedy is... He kind of got fat and happy. God was blessing his people. Their boundaries were uh, expanding. Good things were happening. But yet we have a prophet who knew the Lord's word. And he knew the things of the Lord. In fact, Sinclair Ferguson believes that it's possible that Jonah was in the school of prophets. Did you know that during the time of Elijah and Elisha, who were some of the greatest prophets in the Old Testament, they had disciples under them who were learning from them about the word of God. So Jonah would be one of these privileged few to have the word of the Lord, to have the Bible, to hear the stories about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, about Noah, about God's call, about creation, fall, redemption, God bringing a people out of Egypt through Moses. He would hear these stories. He, would, he was in close with these prophets. In fact, there's a, a Jewish tradition that believes that it's possible that Jonah is actually the, the child of the widow of Zarephath that was raised from the dead by Elijah. There's Jewish tradition that thinks maybe that is who Jonah is. So maybe we have a guy who's actually resurrected from the dead, who knows the scriptures and knows the glory of God and knows all these things, but the tragedy is he is not listening to God. In fact, he is fleeing from the presence of God and, try, and going in totally the opposite direction. That's the tragedy of Jonah, the prophet. He was on the run. His name actually means dove. I think that was in the beginning of your bulletin. And uh, Matthew Henry, he, he said, a dove is gentle with the word. A dove mourns for sin. And so this was kind of his name was Jonah. Someone who takes the word gently. Someone who takes the word of God to people who mourns for sin, but instead he was like a dove <laughs> flying as far away as he could go. Where is Tarshish? 
compared to Israel. It is basically modern day, it's Spain. So he goes down there and he gets on a boat and he tries to fly as far away from Nineveh as he can. And it's, it continually says that he uh, was fleeing from the presence of the Lord. It says that three times in this chapter. What is that? Well, that's like the face of the Lord. This is important because he knew the presence and the special calling of God. When you're before the face of God, you're acknowledging that this is the Lord of heaven and earth. This is the creator God. This is the one who has created me. He's called me. Maybe for Elijah, he has resurrected me from the dead. And if you're a Christian, that's what he has done to you. He's taken you out of the kingdom of darkness and death, and he has brought you to life. This is what the Lord has done spiritually to us. He has resurrected us by the power of the gospel and the cross. When you're fleeing the presence of God, you're saying, God, I just don't want to deal with it right now. I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to serve other idols for now. And this is what Jonah is doing. He's fleeing. He's running as far away as he, he, he can. He tries to sleep off the call. He goes down below the deck. You know, sometimes you just want to stay in bed, right? And that's what he's doing. You know, the, it's interesting. The sailors, you know, kind of interrogate him when, when the lot falls on him, right? When the dice is thrown and they say, it's Jonah, it's you. And they, and they ask him all these questions. He says, tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? What people are you? And he said to them, Here, here's his confession of faith. I am a Hebrew and I fear the Lord. Uh, the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. Down in verse 10, he says, he confesses his sin. He was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he told them. So he has this head knowledge. Hey, I'm a Hebrew. God is the creator of, of the heavens and earth. I'm a, you know, I'm a, I'm a Westminster Confession of Faith guy. I believe in all the things that you want me to believe in. You know, and he knows all the head knowledge, but the will and the heart is left the building. And he is running the opposite way. Head and no heart. Boy, it's easy to be like that, isn't it? Got all the answers right there, but man, it's hard to talk to my neighbor about Jesus. It's hard to, it's hard to love people in my neighborhood. It's hard to have in-depth conversations. It's even hard to just say, hello, how are you doing? Right? It's easy to have everything up here and nothing down in our feet and hands, in our heart. He gets to the point where he'd, he'd rather die. I mean, they say, what can we do about this storm? Throw me into the sea. I mean, this is how bad it got. Like, Lord, I would just rather die than follow you and go to Nineveh. Now, why did he have such a problem with this Nineveh, with this city? Well, we get that insight later in the book. But basically, Jonah is angry at God's grace. He's angry that the Lord would, not, would choose other people than just Israel as his precious chosen people. He says, if you look at 4.2, if you just turn in your Bibles over to 4.2 for a second, he says this, after, after finally he goes to Nineveh, we find out the reason why he's so angry and he wants to go the other way. 
Oh Lord, this is 4-2. Is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? And this is after they repent. That is, that is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish, for I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. He wanted judgment. Assyria, the Assyrian kingdom where Nineveh is, was the enemy of Israel. In a, little, in a few years, they would come down and totally wipe out northern Israel, take them captive, pillage the land, and they will never be back together again. This is the enemy. They were ruthless. And Jonah cannot get over the fact that he's supposed to take the gospel to them. Sinclair Ferguson actually says that it's possible that Jonah feared his own people more than the Lord because his own people also didn't like Nineveh. They didn't like the Assyrians. And so if Jonah becomes the person who goes there and loves these enemies, what are they going to think about me? I'm a traitor. And so what's controlling his heart is these idols of maybe, hey, I'm the prophet of the Lord. I got a nice, comfortable life here. If I go and do that, man, that's going to make a lot of waves within the Israelite community and they're going to see me as that prophet who loved the enemies who, were, who later are going to come and destroy all of us. You know that Nineveh is also modern-day Mosul. A lot, of, a lot of that's in the news now, right? So the question is, do we understand the tragedy of the call when we don't follow the Lord? What do we do? (laughs) Well, if you identify with Jonah like I do, we can repent. We can say, Lord, I need your spirit. I really don't like these people. I need your love. I need your grace. I mean, isn't the most important thing this gospel, this good news? People are coming here from everywhere. You know, at the University of Maryland, There's international students. They come every semester, every year from places where this is to have a church and to have a worship service. Like, it just doesn't happen. These people are coming here, and they are open doors for hospitality, love, and to share the good news about Jesus. Am I being like a Jonah? Get warmed at the gospel of grace, right? That's, that's where we see, oh, I do see my sin. You know, Jonah fleeing from the presence of God is not looking inside. He's not seeing. You know, you know, one of the things about this book is how alone he is. You notice how alone he is? He, do, he doesn't counsel anybody. Hey, should I do this or not? Should I go to, I got a message from the Lord, other prophets in the school of prophets. Should I do this? He, it's just he hightails it down to the shipyard and buys a ticket for Tarshish. There's, a ver, there's an aloneness here that is not good. The church, the community, small groups, these are the places where God's people need to interact because we need one another to show our blind spots and to help us uh, follow the Lord and do what he's calling us to do. And it's hard, and we're sinners, but this is where... 
This is where it happens. This is where we're confronted and we're loving each other and serving each other and, and growing together in this struggle to take the gospel out. And so don't be alone. The small groups are not just supposed to be little fun groups you get together with. The small group ministry here, you know, the, the men's ministry, women's ministry, whatever, you're, I really encourage you to, to be involved in something like that because that is where the magic happens, so to speak. Being in community with others, building strong friendships where you can speak into each other's lives. Being alone is really a recipe for disaster in the Christian life. The community, the church, the constant renewal that we need every week. That's what we have here, and it's beautiful. God's strategy. God always gets his man, point two. Here we go. So, you know, if you look at this book, the big picture is God's sovereign hand in bringing the nations to himself. God is going to get his man, Jonah, and he is going to get the Ninevites as well. And he is going to work through all of our defenses. He's going to work through all the walls that we tend to put up. He uses a storm. He creates this tempest. It says that the Lord hurled, verse 4, a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea so that the ship threatened to break up. So, He's, he's directing the wind. He's directing creation. He's using the sailors who didn't even believe in the God of Israel to direct Jonah's steps, doesn't he? Uh, <laughs> he? He uses the captain of the ship. The captain's like, it must be you. Like, call out to your God. Maybe something will happen, right? It's interesting. He uses gambling. <laughs> They're throwing dice trying to figure out who did this. The dice comes up, Jonah. <laughs> God is using all of these different things in order to direct and say, I'm in control here. And ultimately, he uses a large fish, swallow up Jonah, a special fish just for him. It says it was appointed for him. So this week, we just got back from uh, a little mission trip down to Chattanooga, Tennessee. We worked with a sister church down there, New City Fellowship, PCA. So there was 14 of us from the University of Maryland that went down there. And uh, New City uh, has a wonderful mercy ministry arm to the community called Hope for the Inner City. And so we were living at their facility. We did this backyard Bible club. And uh, we just see, we saw God do some amazing things. They said, oh, maybe... Maybe at most 20 children will come to this. One of my students, I was thinking, let's pray for 30. Let's pray for 30. I didn't even say anything. He said, 40 is the number I have in mind. Let's pray for 40. The first day, 44 children came. We went canvas the neighborhood. 44 kids came. During the three days, probably around 70 children, different children came to this backyard Bible club. But there's a, there was a gentleman that kind of helps us. His name is AJ, and he... He told his story about how God tracked him down. And uh, this was a gentleman who was part of the gang culture in Chattanooga. He's probably in his late 50s now. At one point, he murdered a man and was in jail for about 13 years. But the Lord saved him, and he told his story. He said he was dating this gal, and his mother 
His mother kept praying for him, and his mother kept telling him, AJ, you got to go to church, you got to go to church. So he goes to the church. I think it was with the girl he was seeing, and he's sitting. Uh, he said, okay, I'm going to go to church. I'm going to sit in the very back row. And uh, he goes there, and a minister during the service says, I, I sense that God wants me to, there's somebody here that really needs to hear this message. And I think it's back in that area. And so everybody turns around in the church to look in the back row. And, and what did AJ do? He looks at the wall. <laughs> he, goes to, he goes to another church, like, I don't know if it was the next week, but in this story, he tells us, I went to another church, I was sitting over this way, same thing happened. The preacher said, there's somebody over here that really needs to hear the word today. Well, God ended up tracking him down, but the way he did it was pretty painful. He was literally going to make another drug sale on the road down there, and he got hit by a tractor trailer, and basically they had to do the jaws of life to get him out. He was on, I think, life support for a while. Somehow God brought him through that, and this woman who was a Christian he had been seeing continued to pray for him and, and, and minister to him, and he became a Christian, a real live, saved, born-again believer. And now he works for this inner city ministry, working with people in that community that are struggling like he used to struggle. And it's an amazing thing, but I say that because God is going to get your, he's going to get our attention. I mean, this is a beautiful thing about what we believe, that God is not up there wishing for people to come to heaven. He is sovereign, sovereignly in control, orchestrating his plan of redemption and calling people to himself, convicting people of their sin, that he is building a people for himself, and he is going to use Jonah, whether he likes it or not, as you can see, and he's going to use you. And this is what the Lord is doing. This is his strategy is to use us. His strategy is to use all things together for our good and for the glory of his name. And this is the kind of God we serve. He's not, he's not just up there hoping that it's all going to come together. He is directing everything for the glory of his will, including the death of his own son and his resurrection so that we might be saved and we might have this hope. And so, this call that God is doing is not just for Jonah back there, but he is using his means or people, and he is calling you and I to do the same kind of things. He could write it on the sky, he could zap people, but no, his means, his means are you and I taking that message out to our neighbors, to our family members to people around the world. And this is what God's doing. This is his strategy. And there's no way we can get away from his presence as we meditated on Psalm 139. He is everywhere, and he is directing all things for his glory. The gravity of God's gospel. Well, Jonah is ultimately swallowed by a great fish. And it says at the end of this, and the Lord appointed 
a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Sinclair Ferguson, he says, for Jonah, when you try to flee God's presence, the world becomes very small. God knows where you are. God is closing in on him. This is the gravity of dealing with this God who is high and lifted up, who controls everything, and, he's, and he, he directs everything. He directs your life, and he is coming in with storms. He's coming in with fish. He's coming in with unbelievers. He's coming in with a tempest. And he is directing his plan because this is important stuff because God's gospel must go forth. The gravity is the gospel. You know, you think about this, you know, Jonah, I just throw me in, I want to die. He wants to commit suicide, basically. Throw me in. I'm, I've had enough. But you know, you think about this, you think about the judgment that's going on. Oh, this is the judgment. This is the judgment. But this is the grace. Jonah should have died. Jonah should have just drowned. But this fish was particularly appointed to him to live in for three days and three nights. It kept him alive. It's his own personal submarine in there. He's in that fish and he's breathing. And chapter two is basically him crying out and praying to the Lord. I, I finally got it. <laughs> Salvation is from the Lord. I am a sinner. I am an idolater. And now he's getting it. He's understanding the gravity of God's judgment and discipline. See, this is, Jonah is one of God's peoples, right? It's not judgment on him. It's discipline. He is understanding finally, oh, yes, I have forgotten these things. And Lord, now you're getting my attention inside this fish. I got nothing else I can do but gurgle around in the stomach juices and... Kind of like the veggie tails, but kind of not, if you've ever seen that. But this, God had ordained this whale, or whatever it was, to keep him alive in the storm of God's judgment. Now, that sounds a lot like what happens for us when we think about the gospel. Because really, the gravity of God's gospel is judgment for sinners that God had every right to cast Jonah out for his sin God had every right to say that's it you're going to hell you've disobeyed me but we know there's someone coming a greater Jonah in fact the Lord Jesus in the New Testament in Matthew mentions this very passage when he's talking to the Pharisees about repentance. And in Matthew 12, um, they came to it, they, the Pharisees came to Jesus and said, give us a sign, Lord, give us a sign so that we can know and that we would truly believe in you. And he said, Jesus said, no sign will be given it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. 
three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Jesus is saying the only sign that you're going to get is the sign of the cross, my death, my resurrection for you that's coming up in just a few short weeks. This is, this is the gravity of God's gospel, that our only hope, our only hope is that we would be in that great fish of his grace, knowing that we are sinners and we deserve hell, but the Lord Jesus has taken our punishment for us. He has died. He is our substitute, taken all of our sin and all the wrath of God for us, and now we get set free because we are in Christ who rose from the dead is our justification and we are sons and daughters forgiven set free his people saved eternally for his glory this is the this is the gravity of the gospel this is the message that we have to take to people that that hey we can tell them we can go to our neighbor and say, you know, I haven't been too good of a neighbor. I haven't spent much time talking to you. Tell me a little bit about yourself. Let's get started building a friendship. Let's see where that can go. Let's see if we can take those things and maybe we can have them over. Maybe we can have a movie night together and eat popcorn. Maybe we can just do little things to be people that love our neighbors and share the gospel with them and start taking this message out because of the gravity is this. The gravity is either death in the storm of God's wrath or it's hope and life in that, the belly of that fish, the Lord Jesus. That is the gravity of the gospel that hits us. And the beautiful thing is God wants to remind all of us that we should have been drowned, but, but for Jesus. And we... We can remind ourselves that every day, and that gives us the hope to drive us out. I was, I was so encouraged this week because the students were just sharing the gospel, and I was like, I need to share the gospel more. They, they were doing the, we did Ephesians 2.8, for by grace you have been saved through faith, right? And that was our memory verse. The kids were memorizing it, and while they were doing the craft, I just over and over heard my students just like, hey, do you understand this verse? Do you understand this verse? And these little kids were getting it. In fact, there was two boys that were about teenage years that I think became Christians this, this week who had never heard, or the one had never heard anything about the gospel before. And I was convicted as a campus minister. It's like, I need to be sharing the gospel more. I mean, I'm talking to all these kids, and, but there was some boldness going on. And that's what it takes, but... We can be set free because of what Jesus has done for us. So let me pray, and then let's get out of here and, and share this good news. Lord Jesus, thank you for Jonah and just uh, giving us a good example of someone we can relate to who wants to run uh, the opposite way. But Lord, you love us so much that you come after us with everything you got to bring us around to get us to go. So help us, Lord, to be full of your grace, knowing our sin, knowing that Jesus, you loved us, you died for us, and help us to get started. Lord, help us, help us to continue 
your plan to take the message to, to our neighbors, to those around us, our family. Lord, give us opportunities. Help us to be uh, aware of conversations. Lord, help us to be bold and, and have courage to bring up you. Lord, this is the day of salvation. And we pray that in Christ's name. Amen.